and a little child shall lead them. Can you imagine the joy our Heavenly Father must feel when we come to Him with the tender faith of a little child and accept the love He has for each of us? He wants us to come to Him and has promised that He will be there to welcome us. In the Doctrine and Covenants He has said, Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. This is our invitation from our Father in Heaven to share in the wondrous blessings He has in store for us. He then gives explicit directions on how we can find Him. Seek me diligently, and ye shall find me. Ask, and ye shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Seek, ask, knock. With this scriptural instruction, he's outlined the steps we should follow to draw near unto him. We seek for him through scripture study and listening to his prophets, where we learn about him and his eternal plan for us. We ask through prayer and receive the guidance of his Spirit. And as we knock, The way is open for us to gain eternal life and return to the Lord's presence through obedience to His commandments. Of prayer we may sometimes wonder, can our Heavenly Father really hear us? And does He answer prayer? Many years ago I learned these few lines. If radio's slim fingers can pluck a melody from night and toss it across the continent or sea, If petaled white notes of a violin are thrown across a mountain or a city's din, if songs like crimson roses are drawn from thin blue air, then why? Why do mortals wonder if God can hear prayer? The Savior has promised us, Whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, it shall be given unto you that is expedient for you. From Scripture study, we receive further direction concerning the way to draw close to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, that your minds become single to God, and the days will come that you shall see Him, for He will unveil His face unto you, and that shall be in His own time and in His own way, and according to his own will. Sanctify means to make sacred or holy, to make free from sin, to purify. This we do to be in tune with his Spirit. We're given a guide that regularly reminds us of ways we can remain free from sin and have his Spirit with us. We hear it each time, we partake of the sacrament. Listen carefully to the words. O God, the Eternal Father, we ask Thee in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may eat in remembrance of the body of Thy Son, and witness unto Thee, O God, the Eternal Father, 
that they are willing to take upon them the name of thy Son, and always remember him, and keep his commandments which he hath given them, that they may always have his Spirit to be with them. Verse 1 of the 93rd section of the Doctrine and Covenants is a summation of our opportunities. Verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who forsaketh his sins and cometh unto me and calleth on my name and obeyeth my voice and keepeth my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. This is the promise the Lord gives each of you wonderful sisters as a child, as a youth, as a woman, to draw you heavenward. Seek, ask, knock. Seek through the scriptures. Ask through prayer, knock through obedience. May we attach our efforts to His power. He lives today. We can have His Spirit to be with us. In the sacred name of Jesus Christ, amen. An answer did come. She was helped. I think we've been there. My dear sisters here and around the world, what a joy it is to meet with you, united in spirit, to learn how we can draw nearer to our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We have heard tonight how we may do this through prayer and the use of scriptures, and we have also been reminded that as we partake of the sacrament each Sunday, our minds and our hearts should be filled with our commitments to remember Him and keep His commandments. As we further listen to that prayer, we hear the promise that they may always have His Spirit to be with them. From the very beginning, God has taught His children that blessings come to those who are obedient as He gave those special rules on Mount Sinai for the guidance of Israel, the Lord stated that He would show mercy to them that kept His commandments. In Deuteronomy, we are told that the Lord commanded us for our good always. King Benjamin, giving his farewell address, after a long life of service and experience, said, If ye keep His commandments, he doth bless you. Now each of us can gain a sense of inner confidence and peace when we obey gospel principles. Several years ago, our newly married daughter and her husband began a series of moves from one place to another—graduate school, first job, and so on. These moves took them from various parts of the country to the other. In each place, the climate and soil conditions were different, but they determined that they would follow the prophet's advice and have a garden. 
Their first attempts at gardening were pathetic. The weeds grew much better than the vegetables. But the gardens were obedience gardens. And with continued effort, each year the gardens improved. They learned new techniques and developed skills. And as children came, they were taught to work and take responsibility in those obedience gardens. And now their gardens are attractive, worthwhile survival projects as the family enjoys and shares the produce. And they preserve the excess for later use. Besides the practical lessons they learned, they found peace and assurance in keeping the commandments. Surely the promise was fulfilled for them. The prophet's advice had been for their good always. Sometimes we think that because our circumstances are difficult, it is not practical to keep all of the Lord's commandments. There are those, for instance, who feel they cannot afford to pay tithing. But as we obey the commandments, we have evidence of blessings, feelings of accomplishment, and inner peace. One dear sister and her husband, who recently joined the Church, had a home that was simply a wooden shell, no bathroom facilities, oven, or sink. Because of their very low income, they could not afford to feed their eight-year-old son, who had to live with his grandparents. This young couple found tithing a very difficult principle to obey. After being a member of the Church for five months, the young mother decided that she was going to keep the commandment of tithing. And in order to do so, she gave all the money she had in her home to the bishop in the middle of the month, then wondered what would become of her, her husband, and their three-year-old daughter during the remaining 15 days. They had no money saved and very little food. But the windows of heaven, as described in Malachi, did open. That week, a kind Relief Society sister brought fresh bread, their country's staple food. And in addition, an overdue debt was paid to the husband. And just three months later, he received a substantial pay raise and promotion in his work. Heavenly Father truly looked after their needs as they exercised great faith to be obedient. In First Nephi, we read, if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and provide means whereby they can accomplish the things which he has commanded them. And then again in King Benjamin, or in Mosiah from King Benjamin, we read, I would desire that ye should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual, and if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. Oh, remember, remember that these things are true. Obedience brings blessings here and now, sisters. Jesus said, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. 
Happiness and peace are found when we are in harmony with ourselves, with God, and with our fellow men. Through obedience, we build spiritual strength that sustains us during times of adversity. My friend and counselor, Joy Evans, tells of such a time in her life. She had four young children and was expecting her fifth child. The much-anticipated day of birth arrived about six weeks early. They had expected to have a baby, but they had twins instead, Michael and Amy, premature and very small. They had already lost one child earlier in their marriage, and Joy, being a nurse, felt certain that those babies were also going to die. She was even afraid that her own lack of faith would contribute to their dying, and she wanted desperately for them to live. In her words, I think it was the first time I couldn't say, Thy will be done. I just couldn't say it. When her husband went home the second day after the baby's birth, he prayed not for the babies, but for his wife, their mother. And then a sweet assurance came to her that everything was all right. Whatever happened was the Lord's will. The babies did die, one after two days and one after three. But Joy still had her feeling of peace. She could draw from that wonderful reservoir of strength she had developed by keeping the commandments through the years. Having the babies dressed appropriately for the burial was very important to her, but they were so tiny that clothes could not be found to fit them. When the Relief Society president came after the second baby had died, she sensed Joy's disappointment in not being able to dress the babies as she would like. The president went home and sewed busily that night, and when she came back the next morning, the day of the graveside service, she had a darling little white suit for Michael and a dainty little white dress for Amy. Peace can come to both the giver and the receiver as we follow the promptings of the Spirit to serve one another. The Lord said, Keep my commandments and assist to bring forth my work. Sisters, as women in the Church, each of us has an important role to fill in building His kingdom. The way to do it is clear. We have been commanded to sanctify ourselves, that our minds might become single to God so that we can stand firm in the faith without wavering until our work is completed as we keep a time for regular scripture study and quiet time for prayers, we receive knowledge and inspiration. Then through obedience, we put that information into action. We are sanctifying ourselves one step at a time as we accept personal responsibility for our actions and honor the covenant we make at baptism and in the temple and as we take the sacrament each Sunday, we progress by responding to those promptings to serve others, 
loving one another, and by trying to obey the prophet's voice in all things. President J Heber J. Grant said, if we are striving, if we are working, if we are trying to the best of our ability to improve day by day, then we are in line with our duty. From that Thai refugee camp, Mary Ellen expressed it well for all of us when she said, for me, I feel close to the Savior when I can do in a small way for someone else what he would do if he were there. In a way, that's what being an instrument is all about, to make it possible for his love to reach more of his children. Sisters, we are those instruments. He needs us, and we need him. Instruments that are in tune play beautiful melodies. Be obedient. Be prayerful. Remember him. Keep his commandments. Draw near to him and feel the joy and the peace that will come as he draws near unto you. I know these things to be true, and I say them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. How I wish I could sit on the edge of each one of your beds and visit with you, young women, look into your eyes and help you understand the greatness of your spirit. We talk about the desire to be popular and the influence of friends and the importance of families and good times. Maybe you would tell me about when you have felt discouraged or disappointed, confused, or maybe afraid. I think of questions young women have asked me. How do you stay close to the Lord? Can I make it? Is there a way back? In answer to those questions, I raise my voice and say with all the fervor of my soul, you can feel a closeness to your Heavenly Father. You can make it no matter how tough the test. And to some I'd say with the deepest conviction, yes, there is a way back. Come back. I would tell you how searching the Holy Scriptures can answer every question you may ever have in life. I remember a difficult time in my life when I thought I couldn't make it. I'd failed a grade in school. It was awful. I just remember praying with all my heart that I could be smart. Sometime after that, I became aware that the Scriptures could provide answers when I needed help. I'd like to share with you one scripture that really helped me in that, during that time in my life. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. You might think that I never lack confidence now, but I do sometimes. And when I feel that way, I reread that scripture, and I can feel His love and know He is near. You might wonder how this happens. Maybe you're like many young people and some older people. You find the scriptures boring, or they don't have much meaning to you. If so, you haven't yet put forth the time and effort and faith to learn and understand them and love them. Learning to love the scriptures is a lot like learning to walk. At first, you're unsure. You sometimes stumble, and you don't get anywhere very fast. But if you stopped trying to walk and gave up just because it wasn't fun at first, you'd never know the joy of walking. But as you persist, you learn how to walk. Soon you can run and go places where you couldn't go before. Learning to study the scriptures is like learning to walk. 
when you first begin reading them, you feel unsure. You'd much rather read something familiar, like a favorite story. But I can tell you from my experience, if you will try reading the scriptures every day, just like you kept trying to walk, these precious records will become as important to you as being able to walk. In fact, I believe more so. And every day will go better for you. Your confidence will grow. And you will find the strength to resist temptation and discouragement. But you've got to begin. So if you haven't already, will you start tonight by marking a scripture before you go to bed? If you don't have a favorite one, you could mark the one I shared from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, and put today's date beside it as a reminder of our visit tonight. You might start by reading the chapter headings to get the feel of the story. The heading of chapter 1 in 3 Nephi in the Book of Mormon reads, in part, The night of Christ's birth arrives, the sign is given, and a new star arises. You're already familiar with that miraculous event. And by reading this chapter, you can be comfortably on your way, a first step which can lead to many more each day. I want to share with you an experience I had this summer. I spent three days in a wilderness camp with 150 youth. We did a lot of hiking and had some hard physical challenges, like when we rappelled down an 80-foot cliff. On the last day, we were given instructions to go into the woods alone. Before leaving the group, each youth was given a letter from home which had been written by his or her mother or father for the occasion. When I went out alone, I took my scriptures with me. I read about my Father in Heaven's love for all of us and for me. It was then that I realized that these scriptures are like letters from home. After a time together, everyone gathered, but everyone had opened and read their letter. One young woman stood expressing the feelings of her heart. She held her letter close. In her words, I nearly bawled my face off when I sat there alone and realized how much my mom and dad loved me. I nearly bawled my face off when I read again about how very much our Father in Heaven loves us. Can you imagine being away from home and receiving a letter from your parents and not bothering to open it or read it? This is what happens when we don't read these precious records. The Holy Scriptures are like letters from home, telling us how we can draw near to our Father in Heaven. He tells us to come as we are. No one will be denied. He loves everyone. I ask you, will you open your scriptures and read them every day? Why? Because the glorious promises will then be yours. You can have a sure testimony of our Father in Heaven's love for you. You can know the gospel plan and the blessings that come through obedience and right choices. The verses you mark will become anchors to cling to when the voices of the world try to confuse you or discourage you. They will lift you up in spirit when you're down, and you can experience the feelings of being close to our Father in Heaven. I know this. But I'd like you to hear from a young woman who's made a habit of reading the scriptures. I've asked Gail Gardner to tell you how it works for her. I read them because there are a whole lot of good things that have come out of scripture reading for me. The times when I feel like I really know and understand my Heavenly Father and what He wants for me have almost always been those times when I'm reading the scriptures. Do you have a favorite scripture, Gail? Yes. One that's really helped me is found in the Book of Mormon in Mosiah 4.27. It talks about man not having the need to run faster than he has strength, but that if he will be diligent, all things will come to him. That scripture helps me because I've always been really busy. 
A specific incident with that scripture happened just a very little while ago. I was preparing to compete in a big speech tournament and was facing college entrance exams. I had just been called to serve on our seminary council and was worried about responsibilities there. And I also have one brother and six sisters who I really care about, and I want to spend time with them. I read through that scripture and others like it, which said that all I needed to do was set a pace for myself and keep up with it. I felt that my Father in Heaven had answered my prayers in that scripture. Gail, how have you made scripture study a habit? Well, I try to keep in mind three things. First, I found that ten minutes of serious studying and concentration every day is much more meaningful and worthwhile to me than an hour of hurried reading once a week. Second, I found that it's easier for me to make scripture reading a habit if I do it for a certain length of time and at a specific time of day, if at all possible. For me, it works best to read at least ten minutes a day, and I usually do that right after my prayers before I go to bed. Some days are hard, and reading the scriptures every day helps me feel closer to my Father in Heaven and makes it easier to do what's right. Last of all, I'd say that scripture reading and prayer go hand in hand. A lot of times I don't understand a scripture, but the feeling I get when I'm studying, reading, and praying can often bring answers to all kinds of questions and doubts. How do you feel about having your own set? I love them. These scriptures that I have marked and studied have helped to increase my testimony so much. I'm only 17, but the principles and guidelines of the gospel that I understand and have learned to obey have really brought me closer to my Father in Heaven. From my study of His scriptures, I know that they are true. Thank you, Gail, for your strong testimony. I know that they are true, too. To you young women everywhere, will you make a commitment tonight to make a habit of reading your letters from home, your scriptures, more frequently? If you will ask your Heavenly Father in daily prayers to help you understand the messages and find answers to your problems or questions, and if you will strive to keep the commandments, you can have the Spirit of the Holy Ghost to teach you and to open your mind more than you would ever have thought possible. These are special messages that are there for you, for your individual needs at this particular time in your life. Often while you're studying, you'll feel very close to your Heavenly Father, and so you'll want to have your scriptures with you. I have this small size, so I can carry them with me most of the time. You already carry your school books. Will you carry your scriptures? Make it the thing to do. If you will, others will follow your example. You'll discover important friends that will be excited to share with you scriptures that are special to them. I have a friend who often calls me on the phone and says, Have you got your scriptures there? With excitement in her voice, she'll say, Let me share with you what I have found. And then she reads it to me, and I say, Where did you find that? What's the reference? And then I get excited, and I mark my scriptures. But I had to learn to walk first. As you keep trying, sooner than you realize, you'll have a few favorite scriptures marked that you can easily turn to. And you'll learn to love these books like special friends. If you do not have your own set of scriptures, make a plan to get them. Let me tell you about this old set that my mom and dad gave me when I was 17. I'd read the Book of Mormon before, but this time it was different. I was young, but I wanted to know for myself if the Book of Mormon was really true. On this day, I'd come to the part in Alma, chapter 32, about faith. And as I finished the chapter, <clears throat> I experienced a feeling which I recognized as a witness from the Holy Ghost. I knew the Book of Mormon was true. I wanted to stand up and shout. I wanted to tell the whole world what I knew and how I felt. But I was alone. So with tears of joy streaming down my face, I wrote on the margin, 
all the way on each side, the feelings in my heart at that moment. I made a big red star up in the corner and wrote, May 31st, 7.30 a.m., this I know, written as if to me. And then I wrote on the other margin, I have received a confirmation. I know the Book of Mormon is true. On the other side, I wrote, one month ago today, I began fasting each Tuesday for a sh more sure knowledge. This I know. Through prayer and study, you can know the scriptures are true. I'm so anxious for you to know and love the scriptures so they can provide answers during your teenage years when the climb is steep and scary and risky. And you need inspiration as you make important choices every day. As you become more and more familiar with the scriptures, they can eventually become your favorite stories, easy to read. and They will help you have determination to stand firm for righteousness, even when it's hard. After this conference, Will you join with me in making a renewed commitment to increase your scripture study on a regular basis? Will you make a plan to have a set of your own scriptures to keep close and carry with you? Will every one of you, within the sound of my voice, accept the invitation, the challenge, to make a commitment to read the scriptures this year regularly? If you will do this, I promise you and bear my witness that our Father in Heaven will draw near to you because you will be drawing near to Him. We live and will one day die, and when we do, we will know our Savior, for we will have searched the Holy Scriptures and felt His nearness as He walks with us on our journey home. To this I bear my testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, girls, for that beautiful song. The words you've just sung remind me of a prayer, and singing hymns is one way for us to pray, one way for us to draw near to our Heavenly Father. Prayer is what I want to talk to you about tonight. Our Heavenly Father has said, Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. The way to draw near to our Father in Heaven is to speak with Him, and this is what we call prayer. We speak with our Father in Heaven in much the way we speak with our earthly parent whom we love and honor. Does it frighten you to speak with your Heavenly Father? It shouldn't. It's true that He's powerful more than any of us can even understand, but He also loves us much more than we can ever know. He knows all about you. He knows all of your secrets, all of the things you're afraid of, and even more, He knows what you are capable of doing. He knows you even better than you know yourself. He wants what is best for you, and He wants you to be successful and happy in your life. In order for Him to help you, He wants you to talk with Him often in reverent, humble prayer. Some people say they don't know how to pray, but there are just four steps to take when you want to talk with your Father in Heaven. The first one is preparation. Remember who it is with whom you are speaking. We are to come to our Father with humility and meekness, ready to listen as well as to talk. We should always remember that this is our eternal Father we are speaking with, and so, whenever possible, we kneel. We fold our arms and bow our heads to show Him that we have reverence for Him. 
Now, sometimes it isn't always possible to do these things, not even possible to close our eyes for a moment while we pray. But even in these unusual situations, we can still begin with reverence. I'll give you some examples. I've prayed silently for help while driving in my car, when it would be dangerous to fold my arms and certainly to close my eyes, even for a moment. I sometimes bow my head briefly while I'm at a stop sign. Some people pray while they're walking in the woods or in some other peaceful place. Others pray while they ride in elevators or on buses or in school just before a test. The need for prayer can come at any time. When it does, just remember to be reverent. Kneel and bow your head, close your eyes whenever you can. Then begin by calling on your Father in heaven. The second step is gratitude. Remember to thank your Heavenly Father for His blessings. This is a very important step, not just because Heavenly Father wants us to be grateful, but because it does so much for us. Most of the time we think of prayer only when we want something. But when we start by expressing gratitude for the things we already have, we begin to see our lives in a new way. I experienced this when I was called to be the primary president. My calling is to care not only for the children in our Church, but for the children in all of the world. Now this is a tremendous responsibility, and at first I could feel only the burden of it. But I seek for the Lord's help constantly. I pray for enough strength and insight to do the work I've been called to do, for the leaders around the world, that they might have the Spirit of the Lord to help them love and understand the children for whom they are responsible. I plead with Heavenly Father to give each teacher a sense of deep responsibility so that they might help the children to know the gospel of love. And, oh, I pray for parents, parents to love and to teach their children. Now, just the other morning I thought, I've been asking for so much. This morning, I'm not going to ask for one thing. I'm just going to be grateful. So I knelt, and I thanked the Lord for my good health, for my understanding husband, for our children, for our missionary son, for the privilege of serving, for the board members and staff who assist me, for stake and ward members throughout the world who are serving, and especially for the teachers who give and care so much. I thanked him for the children everywhere. I thanked him for the prophet. And the list went on. My spirit soared. What an astounding experience to know that I have so much. It takes a grateful heart to experience that soaring, that realization of how much Heavenly Father loves you, how much He does for you. Now, sometimes being grateful doesn't come easy. Sometimes when we come to our Heavenly Father, we're in such despair that it's hard to think of anything to be grateful for. These are the times when prayer is especially important, times when drawing near to Him is essential because we so desperately need Him to draw near unto us. My young friends, I want you to know there is nothing so terrible in your life that you cannot take it to the Lord. Maybe you feel lonely. Perhaps you think there's not one person in the whole world who cares about you. 
But I promise someone does. No matter what, you have a Father who cares, who knows your heart, who is ready to listen anytime. Draw near unto Him. Allow Him to draw near unto you. Go to Him. Acknowledge Him as your eternal Father. And be grateful for life and for the opportunity to grow, if for nothing else. And then you will be ready, ready for the third step in prayer. The third step is to seek. Ask for His help, but ask with an open, searching spirit. Plead for guidance to meet the challenges you've been given. Ask, knowing as Nephi did, that the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. Part of seeking is to give space for an answer. After you've asked for help, pause and listen. Many times the Lord answers our prayers in a still, small voice. It may be an answer you didn't want to hear, or you may not recognize what happens to you as an answer to your prayers. I'll give you an example. Three little boys were flying a kite in a field away from their homes. It began to rain, and they wanted to save their kite. As they hastily pulled it from the sky, it caught on a tree limb high over their heads. They found a long stick and tried to pull it down, but they couldn't reach it. They tried everything they could think of to get it down, but the kite just turned and twisted in the storm. One of the boys finally said to the others, I think we should pray. The other two looked at him and then followed his lead, bowing their heads while he said the words. As they opened their eyes, they saw a car coming toward them down the road that led to the field. As it neared, the boy stood motionless and almost breathless, staring at the lady driving the car. Their stares fascinated the lady, so she stopped and called to them. Are you having trouble? Yes, they said. Our kite is caught on the, on the tree. Will you help us get it down? I'll try, she said. Stand away while I back up. She backed her car to position it under the kite. Then she got out climbed on top of the car, and with the long stick retrieved the kite. Well, when the boy who had offered the prayer carried his kite into the kitchen, he told his mother about the kite getting caught in the tree. She asked, Who helped you get your kite down? Heavenly Father, he replied. The boy, who had prayed with perfect trust, knew the answer to a prayer when he saw it. The fourth and last step to prayer is the close. Remember to offer your prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. He is our emissary, our representative to the Father. That is why we offer our prayers through Him. It is our acknowledgment of Him as our Savior. So these are the four steps of prayer. First, prepare. Second, be grateful. Third, seek. And fourth, close in the name of Jesus Christ. Your prayer can take many forms. It can be sung in a hymn, or whispered, or even thought. It can be as short as one word, help. Or it could be as long as Enos' prayer that lasted all day and all night. The important thing is to remember to pray often 
Talk to him. Seek his counsel so he can guide you. When you draw near to Heavenly Father in prayer, he will draw near to you. You need never feel alone again. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.